Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Fuel Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We want to thank all of you that give generously to this ministry. It's because of your giving that this ministry is possible. To give, you can visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy! We are in our final week of our message series called, What Would Jesus Undo? What would Jesus undo? We've all heard the term WWJD, what would Jesus do? But this series is talking about the very things that grieve the heart of God, and more specifically, the red letters where we find in the Gospels those words of Jesus. You know, the red letters are those exact words of Jesus where he would sometimes caution his followers Uh, about certain things that they would allow into their lives. And so this has been such a series where we have been challenged. Somebody say challenged. Challenged by the word of God. And I am grateful that this word challenges us. It's called the two-edged sword. It, it, It comes in and it cuts away the things that shouldn't be there. Amen. Um, I hope in this series you have felt that and you've felt the leading of the Holy Spirit in the areas of your life uh, where you need to undo some things that Jesus says, hey, don't permit those things in your life. Because if you have felt that conviction, that challenge, that just means you're in sync with the Holy Spirit. That's what he does in our lives, right? And the Bible says that the Lord Uh, loves those he corrects. Aren't you grateful that he corrects you? Oh, come on. It doesn't feel good in the moment, but I am grateful for the word of God that when I get off tilt here, that I can go to the word and I can find the place where I need to be, the place where I should be. And that's the purpose of the word of God. I'll be very honest with you. These messages have been a challenge to me. And sometimes when I'm up here preaching them, um, I'm working through things in my own life most of the time, right? But I will say this, this message today is probably uh, a message where I think I repented more times putting this together (laughs) than I did the previous three messages. So this message may not be for you. It's probably for your pastor, okay? It's probably for somebody watching online. But uh, today we're going to talk about the fourth thing that Jesus would undo. Uh, Week number one, though, let's review. Week number one, we talked about Jesus would undo spiritual indifference, spiritual indifference. Uh, He says, you're neither hot nor cold, You're, you're lukewarm, and I want you to be hot, on fire, passionate about the relationship with me, amen? And then number, week number two, we talked about Jesus would undo hollow worship, that he wants worship from the heart. He doesn't want to show on the outside. He wants the heart connecting with him. And then last week, we talked about Jesus would undo hypocrisy. If you weren't here last week, make sure you grab that message. Of course, all our messages are available on audio or video. We do have a YouTube page, The Fuel Church, so check it out. You can watch the entire service from start to finish, and that is available as well. But today's final message, I want to talk about this subject, Jesus would undo spiritual pride. Spiritual pride. Somebody say spiritual pride. Um, spiritual pride, if I could define it here, spiritual 
Pride is where we find our value. It's where we find our meaning in ourselves. Ourselves. By what we accomplish, spiritually speaking, and how we compare to others' spiritual walk. I'm going to say that again. Spiritual pride is where we find our value or our meaning in life in ourselves. By what we accomplish spiritually and how we compare to others. This is definitely a misplaced sense of worth and value because we should be receiving that worth and that value from the one who created us. May the one who created us be the one who defines us, right? The one who created us knows us the best, doesn't he? And so when we think that we are better than somebody else, when we think that we are more spiritual than somebody else, then we are ready for a very, very big fall to happen. Some will say a fall. Like things begin to really fall apart in our lives when we allow spiritual pride in. What would Jesus undo today? Jesus wants to undo in our hearts spiritual pride. For the person who say, man, this is definitely for my neighbor, but not for me. My friend, this is for you. Therein lies your spiritual pride. And don't forget in the middle of that word pride is the letter I. Because it's always focused on self, isn't it? It's all right. I don't expect many amens today. The first service was kind of quiet too. But I believe God is going to speak to us today. Would you just put your hand on your heart and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Amen. I heard this in dealing with one's pride or spiritual pride that one of the most loving things you can do is look someone in the eye and tell them the truth. One of the most loving things you can do is look somebody in the eye and tell them the truth. Well, today, this book, the word of God is going to look us in the eye and tell us the truth. Are you ready for the truth? Can you handle the truth? Everybody just go like this and put your seatbelt on. We're going somewhere today. We're going to buckle up. It's going to be a rough ride. I will let you know it's going to be like a roller coaster at one of those theme parks. It's going to be up and down emotionally, and you're going to think, man, wow. And you're going to walk out and be like, God was speaking to me today. Are you ready for it, church? I want to go to a parable, a story that Jesus told in Luke's gospel Let me set it up for us today. It's a story about two guys that were going to the same place for the same purpose. Two guys going to the same place for the same purpose. One guy was a Pharisee. Somebody say a Pharisee. He was the good guy. The other guy was the tax collector. He was the bad guy. Somebody say the bad guy. So there's two guys and they're going to the temple or the church for the purpose of prayer. Pretty, right? To go to God's house to pray. And so Jesus begins to unpack this story to show us what spiritual pride looks like. Let's begin reading our text. Luke chapter 18 says this. Now, he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous And they viewed others with contempt, meaning they viewed others beneath them. They looked at others below them. And Jesus begins to tell the story. 
two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and began praying this in regard to himself. And he says this, God, I thank you. I'm not like other people, swindlers, crooked, adulterers, or even, <laughs> I'm definitely not like this tax collector. Because I, God, I, I do, I, I fast at least twice a week. Come on now. And I pay tithes all of, off of all that I get. Notice the I, the I, the I. I do this, I do that. So we have two characters here, the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee would have been a very well-respected scholar of the Bible in those days. He actually uh, had to abide and follow 613 laws in the Old Testament. He would have been a Bible teacher, or we could call him a pastor. Well-respected among the crowd, among the people, uh, not as respected uh, in Jesus' eyes. When you study the Gospels, you see there was always this tension between these Pharisees and these Sadducees that were the church leaders because they knew how to put on an outside show pretty good, didn't they? And we've talked a lot about them in this series because they knew how to act like they were righteous, but on the inside, their heart was far from God. And so this is that Pharisee. He was well-respected by the people. And then you have the tax collector. The opposite was true of him. He was despised. He, he, he was corrupt because he took the people's money, right? He took the people's money, but not only did he take the people's money for his government, he also took a portion for the Roman Empire who had seized that region as well. And he lined his pockets with the people's money. So they didn't like him. He's kind of like a, a corrupt politician. I know we don't know what that looks like nowadays, but just imagine with me what a corrupt politician would look like. <laughs> just had to laugh there for a second. Right? So you got a good guy and a bad guy. Someone say good guy. Bad guy. Uh, let me break it down for somebody. You had Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Okay, I'm going to get on your level. Here we go. You had Spider-Man and the Green Goblin. You know what I mean? That you had Rambo and everyone else. <laughs> you had the Colts, the good team, versus the bad team, the Patriots. Come on now. Or the Chiefs, for today's sake. Can God do a miracle? Yes, he can. The Pharisee, though, the Pharisee, he said this, God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that, that I do all the right things. I dot every I, cross every T. When it comes to the law, I know the law. I've studied it since I was a young boy. I thank you, God, that I do the right things, and I thank you that I'm better. I'm better than everyone else, and I'm definitely better than this tax collector. He's evil. He's corrupt. But I am at a different level, spiritually speaking, right? And the Pharisee wasn't completely wrong, friends, because um, he had much to be proud of when it came to his spirituality, because by the age of 12, a Pharisee boy would have to have memorized the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. Not remember 
their names like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, every word in those first five books, a 12-year-old Pharisee boy would have to have memorized. Isn't that wild? So he knew the law. He was a scholar of the Bible. But instead of seeing the good things as a gift from God, he saw himself as a gift to God and a gift to others. Therein lies the spiritual pride. And before we come down on this Pharisee, friends, church, before we come down on them, we be wise to acknowledge the Pharisee in all of us. <laughs> We'd be wise to acknowledge the self-righteous attitudes that we tend to carry in our life. We'd be wise to say, Holy Spirit, speak to us and show us where the spiritual pride is that you want to undo in our lives today. Because spiritual pride falsely promises three things. Number one, self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. I, I, I've got it. I've got it. I don't need anyone else. And sometimes to the point where we wrongly believe that we don't even need God. Sometimes to the point where we think that our own spirituality is based on our good merit, our good works, and our diligence to the word of God. We, have a, we live in a day and age where people believe they don't need God. They don't need the local church. They are their own church. They are their own pastor, which is biblically contradicts what we find in this book, church. You're quiet, so that means you must be listening. Self-sufficiency, look what I've accomplished. Spiritual pride, number one, falsely promises self-sufficiency. Number two, it promises self-importance. Self-importance, like I have value because um, I've done some things in life. Like I've accomplished some things. I'm, I'm important. I have higher education. I, I, I've studied the scriptures. I've memorized the scriptures. I'm further along than other people. So I'm better than them. I'm important. Don't you see where I live? Don't you see the car I drive? Don't you see the label on my handbook? I'm important. I'm important. Don't, don't you see the school my kids go to? Don't you see how they dress? We are important people, which leads to self-exaltation, doesn't it? Self-sufficiency, self-importance to self-exaltation. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. I've done this. Well, we don't even acknowledge God in the process. We don't even acknowledge the creator who put breath in your lungs, who put gifts and anointings and talents within you, who gave you the ability to wake up every morning and go to that job and produce and provide for your family, who gave you the gifting so that you can proclaim the gospel to your coworkers in a way that's relevant and reaching them. It was God and God alone. Without him, we are nothing. All my life, you've been faithful. He's faithful in the valleys and he's faithful on the mountaintop. He's faithful when I feel him and he's faithful when I don't feel him. He's faithful when things are going good and he's faithful when things are going bad. He's faithful in joy and he's faithful in sorrow, church. But how quick we often forget that God and God alone created us 
shaped us, formed us, before we were in our mother's womb, by the way, destined us for greatness and gave us purpose. Before we start to beat our chest thinking we're it and we've arrived, we better check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. In the words of the apostle, no, I'm just kidding. That's a song. <laughs> Somebody will look it up later. Self-exaltation. Look what I've done. Look how I got here. And I'll post a whole lot about it to show everybody that I'm exalting myself. You'll see it on my page. You'll see it in my tweets. You'll see that I'm puffed up. The Bible says that knowledge puffeth up. We get to a place in our walk with the Lord where we're spiritually grown and we spiritually have learned and we see that we're at a different place spiritually than others. We can allow that pride, that spiritual pride in that puffs us up thinking that we're better like this Pharisee looking down on others who sin different than him. I'm preaching today, but it's probably not for you. It's probably for your neighbor. What would Jesus undo? Spiritual pride. What is spiritual pride? Let, let, me, let me break this down for you. Will you lean in with me? I got 15 minutes left and then you can go to the KFC or wherever you want to eat. Listen, listen, lean in with me for 15 minutes because I believe this is going to help you. This helped me. This helped me. This message is speaking to this guy right here today. So if it's for anybody, it's for me. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking. Spiritual pride is this inward emotion. Watch this, this inward emotion, inward emotion. I, I'm better than them. I'm more holy than them. I fast more than, by the way, the Bible says that when you fast, not to announce it to people. And that's the reason why, because spiritual pride comes in. Now we do a corporate fast that we obviously announce and that's coming up right in January. And I know you're ready to push the pizza and ice cream away and pray with me. We have some of the most powerful worship and prayer nights. I mean, if you miss it, you miss it. I just tell you, if you've never fasted and prayed before, the combination of both, man, it'll bring life change to you. That's not my message, but that's coming up, coming attraction. And so this inward emotion, this inward emotion, this self-righteous attitude, I'm better, leads to outward actions. Are you with me? This inward emotion leads to outward actions and we fall into this trap of thinking that my ultimate value, my ultimate value is based on my accomplishments. It's based on my giftings. It's based on my education. It's based on my faithfulness to God in his house. It's everything, it's pointing the finger at self, right? It, it's, it's my rule following. I dotted every I crossed there. I did it right and they didn't. They deserve punishment. <laughs> but oh, the grace of our God. Sometimes grace isn't fair. Sometimes we don't give grace until we realize that we need grace ourselves. Yeah, sometimes grace isn't fair. And uh, we, we, we have this outward action of all these things. We're comparing to others. And it's this inward emotion that leads to outward actions. Here are some of the outward actions that, that we tend to go down when we're dealing with spiritual pride. The first one is comparison, right? Comparison. We find ourselves looking at others like we'll come into church and be like, what is she wearing? 
Who let her out of the house with that on? Oh, come on. I'm just in your mind today. That's all right. Look at their kids. I'm glad my kids aren't that way. Oh, I heard their kids got in trouble at school. I heard their kids did this. I'm glad my kids are on the honor roll. I'm talking today. The Holy Spirit's talking. I I, I mean, look at their marriage. I'm sure their marriage would be better if they would just attend church more faithfully, like me. Because we're here every week. You know, and our marriage is great. And we post about it every day on social media. You post about it because it's not great. That's another message for another time. Let's, let's get back to the word. Why do we compare? Why do we compare? Because it, listen, listen to this, listen to this. It's easier to have a sense of worth and value when we are pushing others down. We wrongly believe, oh, I have value. And we push others down in this comparison trap. The second outward action is fault finding. Fault finding. Oh, isn't it, aren't you glad you came to church today? Everybody just smile real big. Just let me see your teeth. Yeah, you're looking good. You're looking good. Fault finding. Constantly picking others apart due to their lack of spirituality. Due to their lack of knowledge of God, due to their lack of worship, due to their lack of engagement in the things of God and spiritual things. And we pick at others and we do a real good job in the church picking at other churches too. We do a real good job at that. We do a real good job saying, well, that church, this, that church, this. No, 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 no. We're all on the same team. I love every church. Every, every Sunday, I want you to know, I pray for all the churches on my way in. I pray for them. We pray for them. Because this isn't a competition. This is all about the kingdom. Amen? And so, so fault finding. And it's so easy to find faults in others, but so hard to allow God to address our own faults. It's so easy to point the finger, but it's so hard to look at the man in the mirror. Song about that, too. You young people, you'll have to Google that. And I know what someone's thinking out there. I don't have any faults. <laughs> My friend, that's your first fault. <laughs> Guilty. Put your one finger up. That's your fault. Right? Comparison, outward action, when we're dealing with spiritual pride, fault finding. The third thing that happens is attention seeking. Mm. We're more concerned with our spiritual social media posts that makes us appear godly than we are actually living godly. Oh, let me set this up. Let me set up this picture. I've been in the word all day. Oh, let me find the, let me find the page that's highlighted. Let me find the pages. No, not that angle. This angle. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that really makes me look spiritual. Click, 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 click. And we take 50 pictures to find one that we can post to tell all our friends and family that we're spiritual, that we're godly, but we're not living it. That's good preaching, pastor. (laughs) If this is your first time here, welcome to church. We really do love you. I'm thankful the Bible says the Lord loves those he corrects. And the fourth outward action is this. We just come to a place when we have spiritual pride is I don't need others. I'm going to do me. I'm my own God. I don't need a group. I'm way beyond that. You know how long I've been saved? 
I'm sanctified and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't get near me with your little sinful life. You're laughing, but it happens every time we gather in the church. This is what Jesus wants to undo. Spiritual pride. May everybody not look at your neighbor in this message, but look into your heart. Look at yourself. May we not have a bunch of Pharisees. Come on now. Or tax collectors running around, rather. Saying, oh, I'm, I'm better. I'm holier than them. God loves me more. No, he doesn't. He loves the drug addict right now who's curled up having an overdose right now just as much as he loves you in the house of God. Don't get it twisted. Don't think you're all that because you're saved and you've been saved for 40 years. Don't look down on others who are on a journey who just came in and they're working through some struggles because you worked through some struggles and somebody was patient with you. Settle down, pastor. Let's get back to our notes. I don't need others. I don't need to be on the team. What are you talking about, team? (laughs) I am my own team. That's your problem. I don't need to be planted in church. That's your problem. That's your problem. The Bible says the only way, someone say the only way. The only way you're gonna grow spiritually is by being planted in the house of God underneath the voice of one shepherd, not two shepherds, not three, not four, not five. Some of you didn't like that. Some of you didn't like that. You can receive from other voices, but you're planted in one house. How can you grow if you're not planted? I mean, let's take a plant. Some of you can kill a plant in a heartbeat. My wife can. She just kills plants. She buys it and it's dead. I'm like, baby, you got to put it in the ground. The little pot is only going to work for so long. And some of you are in the pot and you're trying to figure out if this is your home. And if not here, somewhere. And if not here, that's fine. We'll give you a list of 20 other churches that are great in our community. If not here, somewhere. You got to get out of the pot and you got to get planted in the ground so you can flourish. Psalm says it. You only flourish where you're planted. And some of you, you're walking around with spiritual pride. I'm my own pastor. I'm my own church. And God's saying, you're shriveling up spiritually you're not planted. That wasn't in my notes, but that was for somebody. Here we go. I got five minutes left to give you my three points. Are you ready? We're going to move fast. Number one, what would Jesus undo? Spiritual pride. Number one is this. When we are full of ourselves, there is no room for God. Been there, done that, got many t-shirts. Been there, done that, got a lot of t-shirts on that one. When we're full of ourselves, when we think we've arrived spiritually, when, when we think that there's no room for God, there's no room for God. The Pharisee left no room for God. I've got it all together. I'm better than everyone else. Let's pick up, pick up the story again. Verse 13. But the tax collector standing some distance away. Watch what happens. Watch the different responses. Two people, good guy, bad guy going into the temple, the house of God to pray. But the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to raise his eyes towards heaven. But he was beating his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. 
the sinner. It, 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 it's me. Man, there's something so powerful when the sinner acknowledges their sin. Hmm. We get to a place of repentance. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. This tax collector came to a place. Notice the difference in responses. Notice the, the Pharisee said, I've done everything right. I'm better than all these other church people, all these other leaders. I'm better than them. But, but, but the tax collector, the corrupt guy, the corrupt politician said, I, I've got some sin in my life and, and I'm ashamed. I'm standing at a distance, but his head is down, the Bible says, and, and his prayer had confession and acknowledgement of who God is. Notice that. He did not rationalize or attempt to justify his sin. He knew without God's intervention, he was hopeless. Because the law said this about this tax collector. If he wanted to make everything right from robbing the people, he had to pay every penny back plus 20%. That's what the law said. So he knew he couldn't do it. He done spent the money. Come on now. He done took his kids to Chuck E. Cheese. The money's gone. So he's like, God have mercy on me. I want to be right, but I, I ain't got the money. I already spent it. God have mercy on me. And this shocks the hearers as they're listening to Jesus because the tax collector, the corrupt, the bad guy went home justified. He went home justified, but the Pharisee did not. The Pharisee did not. The Pharisee was full of spiritual pride, but the tax collector, what did he do? This is what I want to encourage us to do. He emptied himself. He emptied himself. I empty those prideful thoughts, those prideful attitudes, those attitudes that push people down to make them feel less than what God has called them to. He emptied himself of that spiritual pride and he made room for God. And we can do the same thing today. Number two, when we empty ourselves, we are in perfect position to be filled by God's grace. Oh, someone say God's grace. His grace is amazing. It's always available, by the way. It never runs out. It never runs out. It's always waiting on us to do one thing, and that's called surrender. As we surrender, the grace of God floods us. It's only in surrender that we experience his grace and when we come to this position where we say, God, I'm going to empty myself of this spiritual pride, this, this wrong attitude of thinking of myself more highly and thinking of others less than, I'm going to, I'm going to empty this egotistic way of living this self-righteous life that I've lived, this spiritual pride. God, I'm going to empty it. I, I don't want it anymore. And something powerful happens. Look at James 4, 6. This is what happens. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud, the prideful. How many times have I been on this side of the butt? So my question for you today is what side of the butt are you on? Yeah, I said it because I've been on this side of the butt and I know it's my pride. I didn't bring it. No one brought it on me. I brought it on myself. It's my wrong attitude. But when I go to the other side of the butt, come on, somebody. But he gives grace. Oh, how many want his grace? Come on. When we humble ourselves, 
before God's hand. He has grace on us. And this is good news for you today. Because I know there's many here, many watching. You're here today and you're like, I'm, I, that's me. I'm that tax collector. And I see it now. And God's been dealing with me even before this sermon, Pastor, that I am the one that has spiritual pride. And you're coming to a place of humility where you're saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. Help me to empty myself of me. Have mercy on me. God, fix my wrong attitude. Fix my self-righteous thoughts. God, help me. I empty myself to you. I know that's where you want to live, church. I know that's where you want to live because we can either choose humility or humiliation. Watch this. We can either choose humility or humiliation. One, you can initiate. The other, God will initiate. Been there. Hmm? So we humble ourselves before God. Number three, someone just said, thank God, it's almost over. <laughs> Number three, when we empty ourselves, watch this. This is powerful. We are in per perfect position to be used by God now. When we empty ourselves, now we are in perfect. We've received his grace. We've received forgiveness. Now we are in perfect position to be used by God. How many in here say, I desperately want God to use my life, my story, my testimony. Come on, raise your hand. I, I want to impact someone else's life for all of eternity. I know that's your desire. I know each and every, that's why you're here today. You could be at a lot of places, but you're at church today because you want to be used by God. When we empty ourselves, we put ourselves in that position to be used by God because pride, watch this, pride is about my glory Humility is about God's glory, right? Pride is about my name being great. Humility is about lifting up his name because he's got the greatest name ever, the name of Jesus. We're here to make him famous. Pride is about using my gifts, but humility is, what's your purpose for my life, God? I want to do what you've called me to do, not what I want to do. And Luke 14, 13, 14, 11 says this, for all those who exalt themselves, for all those who exalt themselves, they will be what? They will be what? And those who humble themselves, they will be what? Exalted. If you try to exalt yourself, it's a big fall. Big fall. Pride has a big fall for you. But those who humble themselves, that, that's when God says, hey, I can use you now. I can use your gift. I can use your talent. When you empty yourself with a humble heart, you are in perfect position to be used by God. I'm going to tell you a quick story and then we're done. For eight years, my wife and I were student pastors in New Jersey at a great church. We had a great youth ministry there. Started out with 60, 70 kids and grew to about five, 600 kids every Friday night. It was a very large church of about 8,000 people. We we're putting on a small youth conference at the time and then all of a sudden this guy came into town and he was wanting to do this big stadium youth conference with bands and concerts and speakers and for youth and young adults and this three-day event. The man's name was Ron Luce. He put on an event called Acquire the Fire or known as Battle Cry. Some of you, how many know who Ron Luce is? 
a powerful trailblazer in the youth ministry. Actually, my life was forever changed because of this man uh, about 20 years ago in Muncie, Indiana at a Choir of the Fire event. Yeah, Tara and I took seven pimple-nosed kids. We thought, what are we doing here? I sat in the top row of that stadium, about 1,500 kids there, and I wept and cried and said, God, if you could ever use my life like you're using Ron Luce, I'll forever serve you. It was the most powerful thing I had ever experienced in my life. So we, we go out to New Jersey. We're at a great church, and we're putting on a conference. Ron Luce, I get a call from him. Hey, I hear you're the guy in this area, whatever that means, but we, I want you to help me put on this event. 15,000 teenagers, youth, and young adults. We became the host church for about five years for this event. We did all the transportation, all the airport runs, the hotel pickups. We fed thousands of people all on our dime. We sowed into that ministry for five years. But about two years into it, I had some other pastors say, hey man, why, you, you got the facility. Why, why aren't you doing this? You're, your church holds three, 4,000. It's massive acres and you, got, you could do this. And I'll never forget I'll never forget in that moment, the Holy Spirit said this to me. If you can't serve and sow in another man's field, how can I give you your own? If you can't serve and sow in another man's field, how can I give you your own? And everybody was saying, go do this, go do this. And I felt the Lord say, keep serving this man. Keep serving this man. Well, that thing began to grow. And a couple years later, it was time we felt a release to start our Fuel Student Conference. Fuel Student Car Conference was birthed, and because of my relationship and because of my faithfulness to serve Ron Luce, it was the catalyst that launched our conference because I got to stand up and preach in front of 15,000 young people at a stadium about Jesus and invite them to my Fuel Student Conference. Come on, somebody. But here's the point. Here's the point. I look back now and know how strategic that decision was and how godly that was because I could have went off and done my own thing, right? But God said, no, keep serving this man. Keep sowing in his field and then I'll give you your own field. To this day, he's a great friend of mine, Ron Luce. One day you're going to hear him preach from this pulpit. I'm going to bring him in because he's a man that changed my life forever. And now look what God is doing because of an act of obedience. Who would have thought years later we would have a church called Fuel Church that thousands would call home, campuses in Westfield, three campuses in Pakistan. Come on, somebody. Look what God will do. Look what God will do. And so I don't know what it is in your life, but I would encourage you, ask yourself this. It's something I often ask myself. Is this about my glory or is this about God's glory? Is this about building my name or is this about building his name? Because there's a big difference. Is this the attention on me or the attention on God? Because I'm at a place now, I don't care who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. Come on. Do you want that for your life today? I know you do. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Everyone in this auditorium watching online.
God, we want you to undo spiritual pride in our hearts. Start with us. Start with us. I want to ask you today, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? What is he saying to you right now? Not, not your neighbor, not your spouse, not your friend. What is he speaking to you? Because now we have to put some action behind the word that we heard. Faith without works is dead. Now we take some steps of action. Saying, God, I need to empty myself of that. Yep, yep, that's got to go. Yep, that wrongful thinking. Yep, that's got to go. That attitude's got to go. Whatever is feeding that spiritual pride. Whoever is feeding. It's a person. It's a friend. Whoever is feeding that spiritual. Yep, they got to go. I empty myself, God. And I make room for you. Jesus, would you undo spiritual pride in our hearts today? We repent. We empty ourselves. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I know he's doing it right now. All day today, hundreds of people emptying themselves of their self, saying, God, I'm nothing without you, but I am everything with you. It's not by my might, not by my power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. We thank you for it. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to take a moment to invite somebody into the most important relationship you can ever have in your life. And that's a relationship with your creator. God knows you. Oh, he knows everything about you and he loves you. But he wants you now to know him. Not just about him, not just that he wrote a book, but he wants you to know him personally. He wants a personal relationship with you. I want to invite you. This is my privilege and honor. And the most important part of our time together is right now. And so if you're here today and you're far from God, if you're here today and you say, I, have the, I don't have that relationship, but I want to know about it. I, I need it. I've been trying to fill this void with a relationship, with a substance, with, with money and material things. And it's just coming up empty. I, I need Jesus. Or you're here today and you're a Christian and you've fallen away for whatever reason. It doesn't matter. But what matters in this moment is you say, God, I need to surrender once again to you so your grace can come and fill me once again. He, he loves you. Oh, he's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you right now in this moment. And it's his goodness. It's his goodness. Watch this. That leads us to repentance. Why don't you receive the goodness of God today? all over the auditorium. We're not here to embarrass you or to make you stand up, but if you're here today and you say, I need Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. Go ahead, throw them up. I need to rededicate my life. I'm a Christian, but I've fallen away. Raise your hand. Online, raise your hand in the chat. We got someone there ready to talk with you. We're so proud of you. Every hand up. Awesome, awesome. So many hands up from young people to older people. And all in between, they're still popping up, guys. Wow, wow, it's so awesome. So proud of you, every one of you. Let's all say this prayer with them. Are you ready? Say, Jesus, today, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins upon that cross. I repent of those sins today, and I make you the Lord of my life. 
in Jesus name amen and amen somebody put your hands together and welcome our new family come on thank you so much for tuning in today please take a moment to subscribe rate review and share this podcast with others you could take a screenshot post it on your social media and tag us if you ever have the opportunity we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings for more information on our locations and service times, please visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey. See you next week.